Hi, Steve Addison here for the Movements Podcast. Podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. Today I'm talking to Chuck Wood and his 2020 vision for reaching San Antonio, California. We start out by talking about the journey that God has had Chuck and his wife Deb on. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Yeah, I was sitting in a meeting with the navigators and um, a guy named Gary Bradley, he and Don Bartell were talking about movements and they were waving your book around. Okay. And uh, when I was listening to them, I was like, this is what I want to do. Mm. You know, this, mm. this is what I want. This is how I want to serve Jesus. Mm. And so, uh, the book actually, Gary only brought one of your books and he gave it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was able to finagle that book away from that, wow. that guy. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I read it and it just radically changed my life. Wow. Um, you know, I, I had had another event that happened five years earlier where my mentor, I was dropping some kind of theological thing on him. Mm-hmm. His name is Cecil Bean. And he said, uh, Chuck, what does that have to do with Jesus? Mm-hmm. And it really kind of made me angry, you know. Mm-hmm. And then as I got to thinking about it, I was like, yeah, what does that have to do with Jesus? Mm-hmm. And so that kind of sent me on this you know, five, uh, probably 10 year, uh, search, just like you were saying, going back to the gospels Mm -hmm. and acts and figuring out, okay, what did Jesus say? Mm -hmm. And what, how do I line my life up with him? But then you need these kind of prods and that's what happened with your book. It was a, Mm -hmm. it was just like a stick in the ribs and uh, so I, I just started, based on what I read, I just mm. said, I'm going to share the gospel every day. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to do that for a week and see what happens. Well, that week turned into, I think, about three months or something like that. And I didn't lead that many people to Christ. In fact, I can only think of one person that actually mm. came to Christ. But it radically changed me. Uh, just sharing the gospel and talking to people about Jesus, he changed my life. And uh, so your book was the catalyst for me to do that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I I went on that reading binge, binge where I just was reading everything I could. Mm-hmm. And finally I came to a point and I was just like, you know what? I need to go back to the scriptures and I'm going to fast from books for six months Mm -hmm. and I'm just going to read the scriptures. And I did that. And, and then I read again for six months, just ferociously reading. And then I I was about ready to start my second six month fast. And the last book that I needed to read was T for T. And as I was reading the book in the very first couple of chapters, I just, I had this nagging feeling that I needed to humble myself and do what what they were talking about in the book. And uh, at first I thought maybe that was too many tacos the night before, mm. but it, it was really persistent. And I finally realized it was the Holy Spirit telling me, just humble yourself and do this. 
And I was thinking, I don't need more methods. I, mm. I've got methods coming out of my ears. And so I decided that um, I would do that. And the first thing that I read was the whole idea of what would it take. And for my context, it was what would it take to reach San Antonio for Christ and develop a vision statement around that. And so uh, <laughs> I hate vision statements. Okay. Uh, I, I, most vision statements are not even worth the paper that they're written on. And so I was like, oh, no. And, and God reminded me, I thought you were going to humble yourself and do this. I was like, oh, okay. So I did the math, and in typical Chuck Wood fashion, I did the math wrong. And I came up with, I needed 2,027 groups or churches in San Antonio to saturate the city for Christ. And it just so happened that I rounded it down, uh, just make it a, even 220. Then I realized it was in the next eight years, which would make it 2020 by 2020. And I was like, oh, no, that's so cheesy. You know, I'm not going to tell anybody about this. And then the idea of, 2020 vision mm -hmm. i was like oh you gotta be kidding me i can't even believe i fell for this you know and uh four days later i was reading habakkuk and i came across habakkuk 2 4 which uh it says um i will stand on my guard post and i will uh station myself on the rampart so that i may uh watch and see how the lord will speak to me mm. And how I may reply when I am reproved. Then the Lord answered me and said, Record the vision and scribe it on tablets that the one who reads it may run. For the vision is yet for the appointed time. It hastens towards the goal. It will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it. For it will certainly come. It will not delay. Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right within him but the righteous will live by his faith. Mm -hmm. And when I read that, I was, I was totally shocked because I felt like God was affirming that cheesy vision statement that I came up with four days later. I shared it with my wife, and she said, Honey, don't you remember back in March? Mm -hmm. This is the verse that God gave me for a promise for San Antonio. And I was like, Wow, <laughs> you got to be wow. kidding me. And so that kind of launched us, uh, and that's that's the story, hmm. uh, probably a little too long, but that's the story from your book to T for T. Okay. And we started really seeing things happening. Um, Chuck, basically, can I, yeah. Can I take you back? Because <clears throat> obviously the, the book and all your reading and wrestling mm – -hmm. It was in response to, there must have been some sense of, gee, uh, disquiet, of dissatisfaction. What what was going on to, to make you sort of hungry for that sort of stuff? Yeah, that's good. Good question. Um, we were kind of, I don't know if there's any such thing as a mini movement, but uh, we, I, I was with the navigators in the uh, army um ministry and uh a couple of us thought why isn't our ministry in on every single army installation in america 
So we got together and we drove to all the major installations, stood on the front gate and prayed that God would give us that post for for Christ. And uh, so I can't remember, it was uh, 12, 13 different army installations all around the United States. It took us two weeks to do it. And we just jumped out literally and prayed on the on the uh, lawn of the front gate and then got back in the car. But um, that experience, within eight years, um, we went from five functioning navigator ministries to 37 in eight years. And so to me, that was just, you know, amazing. And then I read your book and I was like, wow, that's a drop in the bucket. And I had this, uh, you know, the holy discontent that we talk about that if he's doing this in China and Nepal and India, certainly Jesus can do this here in the United States. And, uh, and although I think that I've seen incredible work, uh, we haven't seen anything yet. And what had happened is I had been promoted into levels of primarily administration as uh, things moved along, and I was in the wrong place. It was the wrong fit for me. And uh, what I needed to be doing was uh, throwing gas on other people's fires in order to see movement happen. So I resigned within about six months of reading your book. No bad blood there or anything. You know, I still um, have constant contact with people that I was working with, but it just wasn't a good fit for me. Hmm. And uh, so that's the fire that um, I guess has been smoldering, but your book kind of threw gas on that fire. Why can't, why aren't we seeing this in the United States? Okay. And so it led to that, that, that journey of discovery. And then that led to you and, and, and Deb arriving in San Antonio. Mm -hmm. And tell us a bit more how the, the, well, you've, you've developed the 2020 vision and, Mm -hmm. and, that cheesy, that cheesy vision from God. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and uh, what, what, what happened next? Well, uh, when I had trained uh, my replacement at Fort Benning, Georgia, Jim McKnight, and uh, he was actually really uh, close to me as far as practicing movement uh, principles. We were just trying everything that we read about. Some worked, some didn't, and we were just all over the map. But I had trained him to take my place at Fort Benning, and so we needed to leave. And we thought, well, we'll go to San Antonio where there's another army post there. But in the meantime, God was kind of calling us to the city and um, and out of the comfort. I had been in military ministry for almost 30 years so he was calling us out of the military ministry and into city ministry. That was um, kind of a whole new world for me. I didn't speak civilian. You know, I, I had to learn how to do that. <laughs> and uh, so one of the things that um, I, I was in the process of, of um, just sharing the gospel daily, and God was really speaking strongly to me. And 
I, I noticed um, that uh, uh, three times in Luke that people gave up all their possessions and and you know they they did that out of an act or Jesus calls them to give up all their possessions and so uh, Deb and I decided to do that we decided just take everything that we had sell it give it to the poor and uh, we didn't sell everything. We didn't sell our car. That was negotiated between Deb and I. And uh, we, we put our clothes, our computer, and our car, <laughs> and we drove to San Antonio. And we rented a furnished, fully furnished place and just started ministry here in San Antonio. So that's kind of the way we came to San Antonio. At first, we thought it was a good idea because there was a military installation here. And then the second thing was uh, God just kind of shifted that on us and drew us to deeper waters uh, to do something that we had never experienced before. So, And what, what were those deeper waters in terms uh, of the whole city, you mean? Yeah, uh, 2.1, well, now it's uh, 2.3 million people. Um, the immensity of uh, just taking on a city, uh, the way I was raised, I kept hearing, if you want to be fruitful in ministry, you really need to go after collegiates or military. And I kind of bought into that. Um, and it is certainly fruitful. I mean, we could go on Fort Sam right now and lead a bunch of guys to crisis like shooting fish in a barrel. It's crazy fruitful. Mm. But I, I got to thinking about that. And, and even in our situation, we had 37 ministries on military installations. But I asked myself, why isn't the gospel leaving the front gate mm. of that military installation? Why isn't the gospel doing exactly what Jesus said, it'd be like leaven, and it would move into the cities and the towns and to the counties nearby. And I, that question haunted me. And so I think some of it is because of our lack of faith and our lack of understanding. And no one in my circles, in my context, had slain Goliath yet. Nobody had gone after the city um, mm. per se. Now that doesn't mean navigators aren't trying to go after the cities. There's plenty of navigators. I'm talking about within my little family of disciple makers. And so I really felt like God was calling us to do that, to get out mm. and, um, and see it. Uh, a disciple making ministry for Jesus really have a major impact in the city. And so, um, has has it been a knockdown drag out uh, from the very beginning? So it's okay, been well, pretty. Tell tell us about that story. What what happened from the beginning? Yeah, well, to be honest, in the very beginning, we went on the post and started the ministry, and within about three months, we had thirty five people. We had led several people to Christ, and I was sitting in the chapel on Fort Sam and the. Uh, the chaplain preached this message about Peter getting out on the water and and walking on the water. And the the question the chaplain asked at the end of the sermon was, "What are you, what is your boat 
and what are you unwilling to get out of in order to follow Jesus, to trust him? And it was, it was like I'd just been hit with a sledgehammer from the Holy Spirit. I knew it was the post. So we immediately, that Sunday, left the post and, and went, you know, we haven't done a Bible study on Fort Sam since that time. And we started working in the city. But I had to learn a whole bunch of different things. Like um, with with the military, you come in with a built-in respect. Hmm. When you approach a younger person in the military, they automatically respect you. They'll be very polite. They'll listen. Hmm. And quite frankly, they'll do what you tell them to do. Uh, in civilian ministry, it doesn't work hmm. that way. You, you have to develop uh, rapport and uh, gain a lot of trust before you have that kind of leverage or influence in people's lives. And I just had to learn that. I thought I knew that, mm. but the more that I worked uh, in, in the city ministry, the more um, I realized what I, in fact, this whole process, I'm realizing what I don't know. Um, mm. it's, it's amazing how much I don't know. And uh, so it's a incredible learning process that we're going through. So, so what, those what did were, the city ministry look like? What sort of things were you doing? Well, we're, we're practicing Fred and Melissa's uh, gift and gospel mm-hmm. technique. Uh, we're doing that. Um, we're, I spent uh, basically two years sitting in Starbucks with a little sign that says, how can I pray for you? And, had a lot of people asking me, and it was at the same time every morning. I'd just mm-hmm. go down, spend a couple of hours down at Starbucks. To be honest, though, that wasn't very fruitful. We led a couple of people to Christ, but um, I think part of it was I wasn't assertive enough. And um, But now, in fact, I was just down there an hour ago mm-hmm. um, talking to a young Turkish man, um, we were sharing notes on Islam and Christianity, and so um, just engaging people in conversation at the local coffee shop. Um, we went to some training in Austin. Uh, Fred and Melissa Campbell hosted this, and you know uh, Jeff was there, Ying Kai was there, Steve Smith, a whole bunch of great practitioners were there. And one of the things I realized, and this is part of my uh, learning experience in the city, and it's probably generic to everybody, but um, I was sharing the gospel two to five times a week because that was part of our curriculum. You know, it's it's the the accountability question is going to come, and and you're going to answer it. And oh, by the way, I'm one of those guys that's supposed to be setting the pace. So I was sharing the gospel two to five times a week. But at that conference, I, as, as they were talking about the heart of the Father for the lost and aligning your heart with the Father's heart, I realized that most of what I was doing was just kind of checking the block mm. uh, to make sure I got my two to five times in a week. Mm. And, I, and so I... I, I began to pray about that and um 
so now I'm sharing that many times a day. I'm I'm trying to just share with everybody that I can. Like uh, Ying Kai was saying, you know, don't choose anybody, just share with everybody. And so uh, I narrowed my testimony down to thirty seconds, and uh, and now I can. I can share with the lady in the checkout line without holding the people up behind me and waiting. And I can share and, and just ask, you know, that quick, quick question, is Jesus the Lord of your life? Would you like to come to a Bible study? And so just having done that, uh, narrowed my testimony to 30 seconds, I can talk to a lot more people. And, um, and so I'm, tr- I'm trying to... Be more like Jesus. Just share the gospel with everybody. And um, and, and, and I how think, do you connect with people? I mean, you're you're down at Starbucks. You're 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 at the checkout counter. What typically are some of the other ways you just connect with people and share? Yeah, we're uh, we don't do breakfast tacos. We do cookies. And mm-hmm. so we go out on Saturdays and just knock on doors and say, hey, we're practicing random acts of kindness. So here's some cookies, and uh, we'd love to pray for you. If God would do a miracle in your life, what would it be? And we pray for them, and we make sure we're diligent at praying for them for two weeks. And then we come back, and we met a gal named Vina, and uh, we came back and t- we shared our story, Jesus' story, and we asked her if we could come back, and she said, you can come back anytime you want. I love hearing your story. So uh, that's one way to connect. Um, quite frankly, the oikos and the person of peace strategy is the best way to connect with people. Uh, relationships with relationships that have relationships. Mm. Um, I see the cold call type of evangelism as the least effective as far as reaching the lost. It's the most effective in training me to be bold and, and sharing the gospel. But hands down, relationships are the primary way that we see people coming to Christ. Can you, uh, can you think of an example of when that's played out? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the the first person that we led to Christ here in San Antonio, a gal named Davina, um, she, I met her in Starbucks and we got to talking and she came to Christ. And so she started attending our little church and then uh, her brother started coming to the church and um, she led her brother to Christ. And then uh, we moved that church into a hair salon in downtown San Antonio. And it was a little bitty hair salon. We jam-packed it with, uh, you know, 15, 20 people. And um, her 10-year-old son was attending that church. And so my dad-in-law, one night we were talking about repentance, and uh, Kenna said, you know, I've almost burned the house down twice. And the mom said, I only know about once. <laughs> and so uh, he said, I just need to repent of that. Mm-hmm. And so it was very clear that he was ripe for receiving Christ. So my dad-in-law uh, led him in a prayer to surrender his life to Christ, and Savior and Lord. And so he came to Christ. And um, Davina baptized her brother 
and her brother baptized her son. And so it was uh, really cool. You see that kind of household mm. coming to Christ. So. so there's the relational links and the gospel's going across those. But your connect with Davina was um, there wasn't a relational tie. You just went out looking for someone who was responsive. But right. then once yeah. you find a responsive person, um, you, you, you want to see the gospel spread throughout their world. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Great. Yeah. We want to get into their relational network. That's one of the things I learned real quickly. Jeff Sundell said, don't do a Bible study in your house. Put it in somebody else's house. You know, help them reach their relational network. As soon as he told me that, we stopped having our church in our house and moved it downtown to the hair salon. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, and okay, so you, you, and this is only, am I right? This is only in the last 12 months that you've yeah, really 14 begun, months. 14 months. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, what else has unfolded during that time? Well, we feel like we're starting to get some real traction here in the city with uh, different people. I've, uh, made some great friendships with uh, church planners who are doing house churches. Uh, I, I have a couple of uh, relationships with uh, traditional uh, expressions of church, and they are they're on fire. Um, they've already led several people to Christ in the last couple of weeks, I would say about a dozen. And uh, they've already had several baptisms. And is that they, uh, part of that has been you've gone in and, and cast vision and, and, and trained in, in those churches? Yeah, yeah. What happened is Fred and Melissa had a friend named Todd, and Todd had a, a pastor friend here in San Antonio. Uh, they connected us. The guy's name is Nacho, Nacho and Sarah. They connected us, and uh, I began casting vision uh, because he was reading T for T, and he he's one of the most humble guys I know. And I, if there's any quality that I think is really important in this process is humility, <laughs> because you have to unlearn all the stuff that you've learned over the years. And Nacho is one of those guys. He he's just like. Okay, I want to see a movement of the gospel in San Antonio. Tell me what I need to do. And he's been in ministry for as long as I have, 30 years. And so uh, we just started casting vision. We started with the four fields and went back to Jesus' strategy and just walked through the gospels to see how Jesus entered into a lost culture, how he shared the gospel, how he made disciples, how he developed community, and then how he reproduced the next generation of laborers or trainers. And as we walked through that process, the light bulbs started coming on. We also taught them how to share uh, this illustration. The way we share the gospel is the, is the illustration of the two kingdoms, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light, and how to enter into the kingdom of light by by surrendering your life to King Jesus and receiving the forgiveness that he offers. He used that within a week. He had led, led several people to Christ. So this guy is tremendously teachable, and yet he's part of a traditional expression. But that 
that particular church, Grace Community Church, Darren is the uh, senior pastor. Those guys have a vision. They say, we want to start churches all over the city. We don't care if they're in coffee shops, houses, mm-hmm. Denny's. We don't care where they're at. We want, to, we want to plant churches all over the city. And so with that kind of vision and that kind of humility, um, they've really just allowed me to come in and take the minute stuff that I've learned <laughs> mm. and, and pass it on to them. And they've already seen fruit. And so they've started several groups. The group, the church that I'm leading right now has committed. I asked them to set a goal. I said, how many churches in how many days do you want to start? And I said, I'm not going to give you the days or the number of churches. You tell me what, what's a good goal. And they came up with, we're going to start five new churches in 30 days. And I was, I was like, are you sure? Are you sure you want to do that? that that's pretty ambitious, but it's also uh, white hot faith. So mm. that's, that's good. And they said, yes, that's, and they've already started too. And it's only been, uh, I think it's been 14 days. Thursday will be 14 mm. days. So that particular church, Grace Community Church, has latched on to movement principles, and they're, they're going to make a difference. So. so from what you're telling me, there's sort of two, two prongs to what you're doing. One is your own local work of, of evangelism, but multiplication through new believers. And mm-hmm. then the other side is you, you, you're, you're saying, if we're going to reach the city, we've got to mobilize lots of people, lots of churches. So you're out casting vision and, and training others. With with and and challenging them with the 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 vision of reaching San Antonio, right? Yeah, mm. yeah. I I think this is a kingdom effort, and so um, I I think people are naive if they if they think they're going to do this without the assistance of their brothers and sisters. It's a kingdom effort, and we all need to lock arms in this. Whether you're doing church in a living room or a cathedral. Let's just make disciples. And, and so, you know, we'll, we'll try to lay aside some of those minor differences that always be, they, they get turned into major issues. And uh, uh, like Fred and Melissa say, it's both and, not either or. Mm. And I, I really have adopted that. And so if, if you're interested in making disciples of Jesus and you love Jesus, I'm on your team. Let's get mm. after it. You mm. know? And, and uh, Chuck, um, now from what I've read, uh, some of this influence has gone beyond San Antonio. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that, that was where it started. Um, our vision was 220 by 220 in San Antonio. But when I shared this with Jim McKnight, my... Uh, dear friend and ministry partner teammate in in uh, Columbus Georgia Fort Benning um we began to see things happening outside of San Antonio very quickly and in fact i've kind of coined this uh saying that the first place you need to go to find the man of peace is in your bathroom 
Look in your mirror Mm -hmm. and you'll find a man of peace. You have a relational network. That's where you start. You start sharing the gospel with everybody that's in your relational network. And if they're believers, then you start sharing a vision for making and multiplying disciples. And that's what I did. With 35 years of relationships, um, you know, there were a lot of people who were watching us. Um, One of the mistakes I made in the beginning when I just started out was we started a little group called the Great Commission Movement. We were all excited and everything. And um, because we were uh, doing some radically different things from the folks that we we are associated with, uh, it, it became divisive. And so I shut that down and decided I'm going to do this as a skunk work on the side and I'm not going to uh, agitate the people that are close to me. I'm just going to let wisdom be vindicated by our children. We'll just make disciples. And um, that worked out a lot better because it wasn't quite the stick in the eye um, and you know, it just it worked out better. But what ended up happening is we started training people on Google Hangouts mm-hmm. all over the country. And uh, those groups, every single person that we trained online had a local group or church. So it wasn't just online. It was, well, I'm training you to start a group or a church where you're at. So you, you and, were training people not just to implement, but training them to become trainers. Yes, right. And a lot of the people that we have trained online have not only started their groups and churches in their local area, but they've reproduced the online training as well. We have a guy at Fort Leavenworth or Leonardwood, Fort Leonardwood. He is training two people in Texas online, and he's training a guy in Brazil. So we have we have people training people around the world. I think we have six to eight different countries. We're praying for a hundred com- countries that we can train uh, online. It's just too easy. Um, one of the things when people used to ask me to disciple them long distance, I would tell them no. It was just too complicated. It was too hard, mm. and it didn't work. When I started doing T for T, it was so simple that online worked like a charm. I mean, God really blessed it, and it just exploded. I think right now we have 123 groups and 44 churches around. It's kind of overstatement to say around the world because there's just a few in other countries, but mostly here in the United States. And that's in 14 months. And most of that was by training people on the Internet. And uh, if you would have told me 14 months mm-hmm. ago that was going to happen, I would have said, amen, I'm, I'm, I really dig that. But <laughs> that, that sounds like a God thing. And it has been, you know. And uh, I, I want to make sure that I'm clearly giving glory to God. It's not mm-hmm. our hard work. It's not how smart we are. It's just God took it. And mm. and it's a fire, and it took off. So it's been and, really. And cool. what sort of impact are you seeing from the training in in those fields where those people are? 
Yeah, um, good story. Um, I know a couple, Joseph and Tamika, they took a rural church. They were called to a rural church, and they were using the T4T format, and we call our network Jesus Up In and Out. The Up In and Out comes from Mike Breen. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they they started implementing this in their church, and and when they got there, they preached a vision that said, "We're going to start churches in our church. We're going to start churches in our neighborhoods. We're going to start churches in our in our city, our little town here, and and that's our vision to start churches in our church, and they're going to meet wherever." So. They uh, they were training people, and then uh, one of the people that they were training had found this young couple in the church who had recently received Christ, but they had not been discipled. They were meth addicts, and they had their kids taken away from them by the courts. And what ended up happening is as they trained them, their lives began to transform into Christ-likeness. Then um, they got their kids back, and they started doing the seven stories of hope in their house. And then they said, well, why don't we invite our neighbors, and we'll, we'll share the seven stories of hope with them as well. And they weren't doing this once a week. They were doing it every night. Mm-hmm. And so their family was radically transforming, and uh, they were bringing over their neighbors. Now, this is the third generation, and that happened in four months. From Joseph Tamika to another person to these, this couple that were meth addicts just six months prior and had come yeah. to Christ. And so they, they count themselves as the pastors of their neighborhood. So they're reaching out. So that was all online training that we got Joseph and Tamika started within four months. They were seeing the third generation. So now, Chuck, I I, I don't want to overload you with opportunities, but if if anyone wanted to get in touch regarding the online training, is there somewhere they can go um, and? connect either with you or, or some of the people you've trained? Yeah, and that's one of the things that I'm starting to do is I'm starting to send people to some of the other folks that are doing mm-hmm. online training. Right now I have an online training group on Tuesday nights and uh, our, we'll probably start one on Thursday night as well. But uh, our website is uh, www dot j u i o jesus up in and out mm-hmm. dot net okay and there's a way you can cl- it's right up front mm. you can click on a request for online training just fill in the little form and it comes to me and then we'll we'll figure out a way to train you and and that and we'll post a link uh to you know we'll link from the the podcast on the blog to to that site but uh, those those inquiries can come from anywhere in the world, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, uh, and we're we're praying for a hundred countries and fi- all fifty states. Wow. So that's 
Wow. That's what we're praying about. Well, you, you're going to need some bivocation, bivocation, bilingual people to start. Yeah, with. right. But, yeah. Um, you know, I can think of a few people with, uh, with both their own language and English that would be great people to start and then release them as trainers in their world. Right, um, right. Chuck, yeah. um, apart from, and, and obviously we'll also link to the T for T book, um, but but how what 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 would you if, if someone's been stirred by what God's done uh, for you and Deb and in San Antonio, um, what would you suggest they do to get started? Yeah, well, the first thing I would do is pray. I've I, I there's six the six most important words in this process is. Pray, 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 train, train, train. And so um, one of the things that God has been very gracious to Deb and I is that before we came to San Antonio, he just poured all these promises from the scriptures on us. Now, we've been operating from promises all, all of our lives and all of our ministry, but it was usually just a handful but uh, for some reason, maybe because God knew how tough it was going to be on me, but uh, these promises uh, began just kind of jumping out of the scriptures at me. And I would write them down, and I would just pray through those passages. One of the passages that God has propped me up with every single day, I pray this every day, is 2 Chronicles fifteen seven. It says, but you be strong and do not lose courage for there is reward in your work. And so every day, and now I know that was said to someone else in the scriptures, but I have personalized that because I need that. And, uh, and I pray through that passage every day. And I have a list of scripture, you know, some are generic promises that anybody can pray their promises to every single believer. And uh, some I feel like are unique for me, what God was speaking to me about. And I just pray through those and just uh, acknowledge this is what God wants to do. And he wants to glorify himself and he will use me as a vessel to do that and just pray like crazy. Um, any books that you read, including yours on movement, prayer is at the top of the list. And so if, uh, you know, uh, Proverbs 127, 1, unless the Lord, oh no, that's Psalms, Psalms 121, uh, 127.1, unless the Lord builds a house, those who labor in vain who build it. So um, I hope that's the right passage. Mm. It's the right quote. Yeah. But uh, the... Uh, the person that tries to do this without praying is crazy. You know, I, I, I don't know what they would expect except for failure. Uh, so prayer is the first thing. Then the second thing is to be trained. Um, that's why train, train, train is the last three words of the six. I, I'm, I am absolutely amazed at, with a seminary and Bible college degree and, and 35 years of experience, I'm absolutely amazed at how much I don't know. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was telling some guys in training last night, 
that if if you don't humble yourself and and ask God and others to train you, uh, you're you're really going to miss the boat on this thing because our brothers and sisters around the world have seen God at work, and uh, we Americans tend to be a little bit proud and uh, we lack the humility that it takes to learn from those who are having a tremendous impact for Jesus around the world. And quite frankly, some of it goes against our traditional teaching. And uh, like the great theologian Yoda mm-hmm. from Star Wars, he mm-hmm. says, you must unlearn what you have learned. And and I've had to do a lot of that. And so, um, you know, Listening to your podcasts, getting with Jeff Sundell, uh, reading books. But the most important thing is going back to the scriptures like we were talking about earlier, scouring the Gospels and Acts and the the whole Bible, um, just saturating your life with the scriptures and asking God, pleading with God to show you the way and retrain you. Those are probably the two most significant things if you want to see movement in your uh, sphere of influence. That's what you need to do. 